1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. the poster
2: said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because
0: nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. I need you guys to do me a favor. Set an alarm clock right now. In 20 to 25 minutes. I'm not sure exactly when but I'm going to set Shannon Sharp completely on fire for his stupid comments about Brett Favre. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, Happy Thursday to you and yours. It's the day before Friday. That means the weekend is almost here. That means uh, we have another great show planned for you today. Royce White, Steve Kim, Jason Brown. You guys remember him from Last Chance U. He's going to be here. And primetime, 99, Alex Stein, always on the grind. He's going to be here. Uh, We're going to, as I said in the cold open, we're going to have a little bit of a slow burn. Uh, And then I'm going to completely catch fire uh, when I bring Steve Kim on to talk about Shannon Sharp and uh, his comments about Brett Favre. Uh, But I'm going to begin today's show with a conversation with Royce White as it relates to Brett Favre and this incident in Mississippi or this welfare scandal in Mississippi. Uh, Is because when I looked into this story and read about this story, Royce White immediately came to my mind because Royce loves to talk about the Uniparty, and and I'm reading the story about. And if you guys haven't heard, there's now there's new information about a text message exchange between Brett Favre and government officials and a woman that works for a nonprofit and Brett Favre seemingly trying to get the state of Mississippi to funnel $5 million to Southern Miss, his school, his alma mater, uh, to Southern Miss to build a volleyball facility where Brett Favre's daughter at that time, I believe in 2018, was on the volleyball team. It is an incredibly bad look for Brett Favre. Uh, It appears that he knew what he was doing was wrong. There's text messages where he says, hey, hopefully no one are asking if anyone will find out where the money came from and who wrote the check to me and blah, blah, blah. So he appears to know that he's doing something wrong. And now uh, from this investigation uh, that the FBI is involved in and the former governor, Phil Bryant, involved in this investigation, uh, it appears they misappropriated up to $77 million of welfare funds to little pet projects around the state. And and five million of that I believe was targeted towards a volleyball facility uh, for Southern Miss. It's a bad look for all involved parties. I believe there's a woman uh, last name, I think her name is Nancy New, that has already pled guilty and there's some kind of civil case and that's where these uh, text messages uh, have come out that implicate Brett Favre. We've already known the previous story about them funneling money to Brett Favre for speaking engagements that he did not do, and then he had to refund that money, and he—they've now charged him interest on the money. And it was maybe it was six hundred thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars, but but they're saying there's an additional. I'm sorry, I think it was maybe one point one million. I I can't remember the exact total, but there's. in interest that they're looking for from Brett Favre that he has yet to pay. Uh, But again, I had a whole different take than just focusing in on Brett Favre. It's a bad look for Brett Favre, trust me. You you, you were involved, you made all the money that he made, 130, 140 million dollars in the NFL, probably the same amount of money in endorsements. Uh, from being one of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL, and you want a volleyball facility for your daughter in Southern Miss, and you're uh, helping people or involved in any way with a plot or a scam to funnel tax dollars that are intended for welfare recipients to Southern Miss uh, for a volleyball facility, it's a bad look for Brett Favre. No way around it. It is not good. It's a worse look, though, in my view, for politicians. And this is what made me think of Royce White. Royce talks about a uniparty. Other people talk about it, but Royce was the first one to put it on my radar that basically the Democrats and the Republicans are in on things together. They all want the status quo. And so when I'm reading this story, those are my initial thoughts. It's like, oh, Republicans, because Phil Bryant, the, the governor at that time, is a Republican. Republicans pretend that they can't stand the welfare system and that the welfare system should be uh, uprooted and, and removed. But do they really? And, and, and do they not? And Because I, I, uh, when I'm reading this story, I'm like, oh, I think this is commonplace. They put all this pork in all of these bills so that they can then take the extra money and spend it however they want to spend it on whatever little pet projects they have. And so here in Mississippi, someone has been caught with their pants down. Uh, The Mississippi today is on to the scandal and has pointed it out. It seems like we're so uh, politically divided right now. So it looks like some people want some retribution towards Phil Bryant and some of the other people involved, but my takeaway on this is like, oh this is all a scam that's commonplace, I would imagine, all around the country. And that's why everybody knows that the great society movement, that the welfare state, is a detriment. No one believes in it. No one does. Not even the Democrats that all pretend to support it. What they do know is they have built this into the system and built it into a normalized state where they can raise money, tax people, gather all of these funds, and then divvy it out however they choose. No one being the wiser. That's the uniparty. Democrats and Republicans in on it together. Democrats and Republicans pretending to take different sides, but in reality, They know they've come up with a taxpayer revenue generating scheme that they can all benefit and they can all divvy out that money to whomever or whatever project they want. So, Royce, uh, you've been coming on this show and talking about the Uniparty uh, forever. And I, I just this is why I love having you on the show, because you educate me. And and you've opened my eyes and I start looking at the world differently I start looking at different angles to all of these stories when you start understanding These politicians they all benefit from even the things they say they don't like
3: your thoughts Well, let's start with the disclaimer Shout out to the Minnesota Vikings for beating the Green Bay Packers in the opener that 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 (laughs) makes me happy I'm all things Minnesota I'm not an avid NFL fan by any means when I was growing up I used to be obviously Brett Favre was the arch nemesis uh because he was great and 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 constantly successful so we hated Brett Favre when I was growing up here in Minnesota there's there's no sports blood feud like the one between the Minnesota Vikings fan and the Packers um and and then Brett Favre came to the Vikings so he redeemed some points uh in in our book but hey the, the the thing that came to my mind first when you sent me the story, when I saw the story was uh, stop trying to separate the sports from politics, because politics are sports and, and the politics are never off. Um, and, and, it's the, and, you know, the uniparty point is, is an important piece that everybody in America needs to understand about Democrats and Republicans, because there's a very sophisticated um, manipulation of narrative that happens every couple of years, every four years around party politics and, and people get very confused, primarily black people and minorities get very confused about who Republicans really are. What is the Republican Party? Who within the Republican Party holds the keys or the, or, or is at the helm of the Republican Party at that time? Um, so the uniparty thing has been going on for a very, very long time. And it's this issue, right? It's, it's the grants that come down for nonprofits. Uh, you know, it's the war in Ukraine. Uh, it's the it's the constant military expansion bill. It's the Patriot Act. Right. It was the war on terror. It was the war on drugs. It was going into into uh, it was going into China with Kissinger and, and, and uh, Nixon. You know, it was the Civil Rights Act with Lyndon B. Johnson. So, you know, so if you go back throughout the last, you know, 100 years of modern America, the Uniparty party is right there uh, making deals and putting out propaganda. To make it seem as though they're acting on some uh you know that they're sacrificing their own ideals for a greater good of the American people when really they end up just lacing their pockets and scamming the American people with their tax dollars uh, and this is a primary case It's sad to see that Brett Favre got roped into this um, you know obviously he was wrong and 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 the welfare piece is is very very interesting um but but it doesn't surprise me because Where I'm at in in politics and being closer to politics, uh, the Republicans love an expanded government in some sense. Many of them, at least the rhinos. I mean, that's the calling card of the rhinos is that they talk conservative. They they serve as the controlled opposition uh, and the outer bastion of new world order for people who are dumb enough to vote party politics and not vet the Republican candidates. And and that's what Mitch McConnell and and Schumer and all of those guys are known for in, in our movement.
2: See, I'm telling you, what really hit home to me is like how the government expansion actually benefits people that say they're against government expansion. It just gives them a bigger budget. The more money we spend, the more they tax, blah. It just gives them a bigger budget. And so, yeah, I'm going to pretend like I'm against the welfare system, but we're going to generate and raise all this money off of, you know, we got to help the poor. And then we're gonna take that money and spend it, how, oh, a new volleyball facility at Southern Miss, and we can get Brett Favre, use his voice. I mean, just the whole thought that they were willing to pay Brett Favre a half million dollars for some radio spots to raise this kind of money speaks about like, radio spots from Brett Favre, they're, they're six, that's gonna be five, 10 minutes worth of work for him. you gonna to have to drive somewhere, sit in front of a microphone, read a spot, and they're gonna pay him a half million dollars. That's the kind of pork that's built into everything. This is how tax dollars are being used to benefit people that don't need that benefit. And and Royce, you and I talked this morning and got off into how the MAGA movement is disruptive and why it's so uh, feared. Mm. But also, you made the point of like, hey, Trump, maybe he isn't really all the way down with the MAGA movement that, that but he has sparked something in people that make the people dangerous and that's why he's dangerous because experienced politicians yeah. are like, no nah, man, you're putting thoughts in people's heads. You're waking people up to a scam and you don't know where this thing is gonna go. It's set off and it's raised up 70, 80 million voters who actually want real change? But I would just like you to speak on why yeah. the MAGA movement is such a threat to all of this, and Trump's role in that.
3: Well, look, Donald Trump is is our guy, uh, given the circumstances, given given where the political culture and where the landscape is here right now. But nobody who is who is hardcore MAGA or who is a hardcore American nationalist. Thinks that Donald Trump is beyond reproach. The liberal establishment, the mainstream liberal establishment, likes to frame it that way to make it seem like uh, the entire MAGA movement is just a cult support of Donald Trump, but that's not true. In fact, if you spend any time on Getter or Gab or any of the conservative social media channels, True Social, you'll see that many people have many criticisms of Donald Trump, and rightfully so. Um, we understand that Donald, Trump, uh, Donald Trump's emergence onto the political scene Came uh, by way of rejection. He was rejected by the liberal establishment in the Democrat Party that he admittedly and on record used to be in support of and a part of in many in many respects. And and they and they shunned him. And so he tapped into an energy that that the American mainstream media um, had overlooked, had underestimated, and and was afraid of the entire time. Now that that's not all of Donald Trump's doing. That's the Tea Party. That's Ron Paul. Uh, that's that's uh, Steve Bannon, obviously, and Breitbart. There were many players that that paved the way for Donald Trump to tap into that that uh, audience here in America. But once it was tapped into, and and it came out in full force, the establishment has never been more afraid because they try and pose the MAGA movement or the American nationalist movement as being, pr- uh, you know. Uh, conspiracy theory, uh, white nationalism, so on and so forth. But in all honesty, it is a movement of the people that is basically saying the government that we've selected has scammed us for a long time. Uh, and, and that's the gist of the American nationalist movement: is to say our elected officials have been bought by corporate interests, and those corporate interests have sold the, those interests across the water to China and to Davos, the monarchy, uh, and, and 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 other people as well. So you know the, the establishment is afraid of Donald Trump for that reason. Now, if you look at Donald Trump's decision making, all of them don't. He's not a he's not a uh, uh, an American nationalist to boot. Right. I mean, I thought he went soft on China with the tariffs in some respect. Um, I don't like that he gave any any type of uh, praise to Woody Johnson, who owns the New York Jets. And once again, stop trying to separate politics and sports because sports are politics and the politics are never off. Right. Woody Johnson, who owns the New York Jets, is also the heir to the Johnson and Johnson fortune. And, and is also or was the managing director of, of the Roberts Wood Johnson Foundation that has worked in close conjunction with the NIH and other health organizations, nonprofits, you know, who have people like Fauci for a long time, for generations and continues to. Uh, so, you know, all of those things come into question. But ultimately, in the MAGA movement, I think people feel as though Donald Trump's unpredictability is something we need and can count on. That, that will err on the side of him being unpredictable, even in his own ego, versus accepting the corrupt status quo. Because we know where the corrupt status quo is going to drive us, straight over the cliff. Uh, I mean, if the railroad, look at the railroad strike coming up here in the next, few, few, next 48 hours. If the railroad strike, people aren't going to have any diapers whatsoever. They're not going to have diapers, they're not going to have formula, their shirts, they're not going to have chicken or whatever, the donuts or whatever they're eating. They're not going to have food and materials are going to be a real crisis. Um, so, you know, those are the things that the American people are starting to wake up to. And and even myself, I, I disagree with Trump on some things we agree on most, but I'm I'm willing to err on him being unpredictable and being an outsider versus people like Schumer, M- McConnell and Biden, who have been there for 50 years, and built a $32 trillion national debt.
2: So, no separation of sports and politics. Perfect segue into your thoughts on LeBron James's criticism of the NBA and Adam Silver for not removing Robert Sarver as the owner of the uh, Phoenix Suns. That story is making the rounds. LeBron put out... Uh, Some tweets criticizing the NBA actually had decent spelling and punctuation in it. I'm sure someone helped him, Uh, but he's not the only one. Chris Paul, uh, who plays for the Phoenix Suns, feels like Robert Sarver should be removed. Robert Sarver seems like a bit of a blowhard billionaire uh, in an NBA environment, repeated stories. Uh, of people using the N-word while using the N-word, uh, seems to crack inappropriate jokes around women and others. It, 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 he seems like a guy that's trapped in the 1970s and 80s uh, and felt like the locker room environment that was appropriate in the 70s and 80s, the culture environment, maybe he's he's a madman. It feels like he was Don Draper and, and from that era. Uh, your thoughts on Le- on LeBron finding his voice and saying oh the NBA we can't stand for Robert Sar we must disassociate ourselves from him permanently uh, China meanwhile I have nothing to say
3: I mean it's typical it's typical it doesn't shock me at all um, you know if, if, if Sarver is a racist and he said the n-word a bunch of times you know okay I mean it's wrong I No doubt it's wrong. But the question that we have to ask ourselves as black people in this country is what's more detrimental, the prevalence of white people in America being able to say the N word or white people in America being able to negotiate on behalf of black people and dictate or determine the value of our citizenship? This is a very, very fundamental question because the entire liberal establishment and the mainstream media have created a culture that suggests to black people, if somebody's out there and they're racist and they show it in public, the number one priority is that we remove that person from the public public eye. We cancel them, censor them, in this case, kick them out of the NBA, take his ownership, or whatever the case may be. Meanwhile, the Uniparty, who's really responsible for more genuine racist policies and, even more so, classism, based policies get to run amok. I mean, so it's all a false catharsis. It's the same thing with Donald Sterling. And and I said this back when Donald Sterling situation took place. Okay, you ban him. Are we really under the assumption that none of the owners feel that way? And what are the implications of the other owners feeling that way? Not only against black people, but against all people. Now remember, Donald Sterling, and this was a buried lead. And again, the mainstream media made it all uh, magic Johnson's not a, he doesn't want magic at the games. He has a personal vendetta against magic. Magic Johnson is the quintessential if you put your nose down and you follow the establishment's protocols, you can become a billionaire by, you know, Starbucks and 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 movie theaters, right? That that's the protocol around that that narrative. But the buried lead was when Donald Sterling said in Israel the black Jews are treated like dogs. I mean, these you know, it, so And I say that to say there were much wider implications to Donald Sterling's words in those transcripts, even though it was a private conversation, than the mainstream media wanted to look at. And surely then Chris Paul and LeBron James wanted to acknowledge they want a way out. See, they don't want to have to acknowledge that the liberal establishment is actually responsible for the remnants of racism left in this country. So they can pick out an individual like Sarver and use him as a scapegoat actually scapegoating is actually a jewish custom i don't know if people know this but during yom Kippur, the high priest of 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 jewish communities or jewish villages would take a goat and they would symbolically cast their sins onto the goat and then and then send it out into the wild or kill it that's where the term scapegoat comes from um but that's what they're doing they're scapegoating them the nba blm uh, the church of lgbtq the women's rights movement they all need a perpetual scapegoat. Uh, uh, the the umbrella scapegoat is obviously the MAGA movement and Donald Trump. And and in this specific case, it's Robert Sarver. And you look know, again. If he said the N word, okay, he's wrong. Uh, should he should he should you be able to strip his ownership for it? I mean, that's an entirely different question altogether. And the real question is if the if LeBron James and Chris Paul are so upset with the prevalence of racism in the NBA. Why not venture out to start their own league? Why do they have to constantly stay under the thumb and management of white owners, who they believe will never treat them fairly? Uh, well, why does Adam Silver get a pass? You know, I mean, if the if the if the predicate that we're laying is that all white people are guilty of white supremacy inherently why do you want white liberal women teaching your kids about black history and why do you want to play in a league that is owned by white people these contradictions don't hold up and what they really do is they undermine black america uh, coming into coming into the role in the in the in the political um understanding that we need to actually negotiate real change for black people or any people really so i mean you know lebron James, this is a scam Every time, it's always about racism. He wouldn't even make a peep about China. It's, nobody should take him serious.
2: What do you say to people that are like, Robert Sarver repeated the N-word because in retelling stories, I'm assuming based off the stories I've read, he's telling stories about black dudes using the N-word and telling these stories. But he has a black head coach and a black general manager. And and so I, I'm just, is there some owner out there that never repeats the N-word, who is going to empower his organization to be run by black men? I I just, I, I'm not, I, I think it's, I don't like it when anybody uses the N-word, including Shamika on this show. I <laughs> wince every time I hear it, I, yeah. I, I, I don't like it. Yeah. But I, I don't think that the color of the person that utters it, it, it just doesn't change my opinion. I like and respect Shamika. Uh, I might meet Robert Sarver and like and respect him, because I don't think they have him on record as using the N-word, as, from my understanding of the story, in some kind of disparaging way. He, he's, do, he's basically authentically retelling stories as relayed to him by black people and their use of the N-words. And we all know these NFL, NBA locker rooms, you can't see a team celebrating in football or basketball that doesn't have rap music blasting, uh, that everybody's using the N-word and whatever. And so for people to have this little phony, like, oh, my God, I'm so offended. This white guy said the N-word as if they don't hear it all the time but it's the same white dude that's got a black head coach and a black general manager and, you know, at the moment, one of the most successful NBA franchises going the last two years in the regular season. Yes. Any of that, who he's hired, who he's empowered, does any of that, should any of that mitigate how we feel about Robert Sarver? I mean, I wasn't there, so I'd have to know the
3: context of how and what he said. And, and, and for those black people who may have been there, it's up to them to hold people accountable for the things they choose to say in front of them just as it is for us to hold each other accountable for the things we say in front of each other. Um, but, but without that context, I'd have trouble. What, what I will say is this. Um, I, I don't like when people—I don't like the whole, the whole uh, narrative around white supremacy in, in general because most of these people who talk about white supremacy have no idea what real white supremacy and racism look like. Okay, Nazis—and people kind of casually use the word Nazi to describe— far right wing uh, pundits or supporters or whatever. Uh, Real, real Nazis, real white supremacists, they don't make any concessions in the interest of their own success. Right. I mean, real, real white supremacy is like blacks and Jews. I don't want to share the same air with you. I don't want to talk to you. I'm surely not going to pay you any money. I'm not going to do business with you. I mean, that that is a real element of the white supremacy boogeyman that the liberal establishment has tried to paint. And what they've done is they've walked the line over to a way more casual space where if you say anything racially insensitive, then you're the farthest right possible on your way to being an actual Nazi. And that that's a real scam. Uh, Now will I say that because you employ black people that you can't still be racist? No, that's ridiculous. but but I will say that uh, his, his – uh, the, the, the energy to go after him is certainly on par with, a, with an overall narrative that is not really about the prevalence of racism. Uh, so, so no matter what his individual culpability is or, or personal stance around race or race issues or how he feels about black people is a separate issue to me because I understand and can discern that the umbrella energy in this country is to take any example, any shred of example of racism and blow it out of proportion. So like when I wake up in the morning, I don't think about Robert Sarver. They can't fool me into having a real emotional uh, uh, investment in this story because I know that we have a $31 trillion national debt and our money continues to go to the Ukraine and the railroads are gonna strike. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, you know, it's like Robert Sarver, if he wants to say the N word, you say it around the right people. Now, what I don't like, Jason, what I don't like is how two things, two more things. One is if you say the N word in front of black folks and it gets physical, not that it should get deadly violent, but if it gets physical in some manner, that should be in play. Same way if I'm in a room with some white folks and I say cracker and they take offense to it and, it and they want to get physical, I think we should allow for more uh, physical working out of our issues. I think black communities, especially, and this is to my second point, black communities need to stop worrying about white men saying the N word. They need to start worrying about how often we kill each other. I mean, that's just basic. Anybody who doesn't acknowledge that there is a genocide of black people on other black people, by modern civilized metrics is being dishonest from the outset. So I'm much more concerned about the young black men in the community I come from and how we view each other and how we treat each other versus how Robert Sarver feels about us and treats us. Now you can make, and, and finally I'll say, you could make a connection that the elite in this country, the Uniparty, and how they feel about people has had a disproportionate impact politically on black people and in that lies, uh, hidden racism, um, abortion, sending the jobs to China, so on and so forth, education, right? There's a number of things you can look at and go, "No, no, that's, that's some real racism right there. Like the liberal white women who they let keep asking for more money with the teachers unions, but they know that they're not really teaching black kids and they continue to send the standards downstream to where you can pass without being able to read. Okay. that's racist. It's just not the racism that they're trying to sell us. Uh, so, you know, there, there's, there's a lot to this story and there's a lot of double crosses and triple crosses, but, but ultimately Robert Sarver's not gonna keep me up at night.
2: Thank you, Royce. Great job. <clears throat> Hope you had a good workout. Uh, I guys, I wanna tell you again about Preborn. This is not a commercial. This is not another endorsement. This is a life or death situation here at The Blaze. We're building a village of blaze babies with a goal of rescuing 50,000 babies from abortion. Let me tell you a little bit about preborn and how they have rescued over 188,000 babies lives. When a woman under pressure to abort her baby meets that baby and hears the precious heartbeat. It is a game changer. 80% of the time she will choose life. Pre-born clinics are located in the highest abortion areas in the country, standing strong for mothers in crisis and introducing them to the beautiful life growing inside of them. Would you join us, me, in rescuing preborn babies? It's one of the most important things you can do. It's one of the most important things we can do, helping to preserve these precious lives. One ultrasound is just $28, or you can sponsor five ultrasounds for $140 and save five babies' lives. All gifts are tax deductible. To donate securely, call pound 250 and say the word baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. Or you can do as I did yesterday, and you guys saw me. I went to preborn.com fearless. That's preborn.com fearless. Made my own personal donation. This is personal to me. I got a nice thank you note from Preborn. They were very excited with my donation. Make them excited about yours. This is how we fight back. Preborn.com slash Jason. Make your donation. Uh, I'm sorry, preborn.com slash fearless. Make your donation right now. All right, you can email me and us at fearless at the Steve Kim and I are going to discuss Shannon Sharp and Brett
0: Favre.
1: Alright, welcome back. Uh, time to
2: roll back or roll out to Los Angeles, bring in the Korean Cosell. Uh, I'm going to Take a different take or a different twist, a different angle on the story Royce and I were just discussing. Uh, Brett Favre and Shannon Sharp's, so I'm gonna dive into Shannon Sharp's critique of Brett Favre. Shannon Sharp, the Fox Sports FS1 host of Undisputed, uh, did what Shannon Sharp does uh, the Love the Fruit, Hate the Tree Negroes. Uh, love to play the race card uh, because you know they got to compensate for who they're sleeping with and so Shannon Sharp did that yesterday uh, going after Brett Favre and look I'm not obviously I'm not going to defend Brett Favre as Royce and I discussed this is not a good look for anybody in the state of Mississippi Uh, but I want to start by playing some clips uh, from Shannon Sharp on FS1 uh, yesterday and Steve Kim and I will discuss each clip Uh, let's first start out with his early accusation in their discussion that uh, if Terrell Owens uh, you know or Brett Favre if if Terrell Owens couldn't hardly get into the uh, Hall of Fame and if Terrell Owens had done the things that Brett Favre did no way he would have made the Hall of Fame here let's hear from Shannon Sharp.
0: I talked to people that were in the room when Brett Favre went to the Hall of Fame and nobody mentioned about text messages that he sent to that jet masseuse. Mm. Nobody mentioned anything about the addiction that he suffered from. But yet, T.O., they brought up everything. Can you imagine if T.O. would have had an incident like Brett Favre off the field? T.O. still, to this day right now, would not be in the Hall of Fame. Yet, they walked right past it like Brett Favre did nothing. That is true. I give you that.
2: So, Steve, let's start here with this ridiculous (laughs) assertion that if T.O. had sent messages to a masseuse or tried to get some uh, extracurricular activity going on with uh, NFL female employees, oh, my God, you know, if that had happened to T.O., he wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. That's a joke. And, And as it relates to the addiction issue or drug problem or Brett for if, if a drug problem disqualified you from Ugh. the NFL Hall of Fame or the Pro Football Hall of Fame, does, does Lawrence Taylor, d- does he make the Hall of Fame? Uh, if, if salacious stories, uh, negative stories, and I love the, the man I'm about to name is one of my favorite NFL players of all time, one of my favorite human beings on the planet, But if what Shannon Sharpe is saying is true, how did Ray Lewis get into the Hall of Fame? Did he have the Atlanta uh, incident? Uh Uh-huh. Let's cut it out. When I drive home from this studio every day, I'm gonna move away from the NFL on this one. I'm here in Nashville, Tennessee. Every day that I drive home from the studio, I pass a mural of Kobe Bryant. He's a deity all over the country. He settled rape allegations of a teenage girl. And we can have, oh, it didn't really happen, and he just settled and blah, blah, blah. But, but if these off the field activities by athletes disqualified them from the Hall of Fame, and this was all about racial deals, Kobe, Ray Lewis, Lawrence Taylor, I'm, I can, the list is endless. Anyway, your thoughts on just the how he turned Brett Favre and his welfare thing into a T.O. topic is just ridiculous in my mind.
1: Well, Jason, I guess I have license to say this since I am Asian, but what's that got to do with the price of tea in China? I, I was like, wait, <laughs> you, you really veered off there like an Asian driver. But here's the issue, and you're right. If you wanted to make this an ethical and moral guideline for the National Football League and the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, you'd have a broom closet, and then you could have all the busts because it'd be a very short list. But I don't think Shannon realizes. Last I checked, T.O. made the Hall of Fame. The only real controversy was, is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? I mean, it was no question in my mind. Now, personally, if I was a voter and you may disagree, Uh, who could make a play? He could. I got my popcorn ready when T.O. played. I would have voted for him in year one. However, you cannot deny that he was an unbelievable distraction at times and very destructive, and that's why he went from a first ballot guy to, I believe, his third year, which, you know, still, he's wearing that gold jacket. The other issue is I don't think Shannon understands. Your point was that a lot of players – They're judged by their off-the-field discretions. They are to a certain degree, but look at all those players you named right off the top of your list who are, by the way, black. They're in the Hall of Fame. And in fact, in many instances, they are deified. They are absolute heroes no matter what they have done. And so, Shannon, what is your point here? Yes, did Brett Favre do something disgusting? Absolutely. You know what? So have a lot of other people. And guess what? And they're in the Hall of Fame.
2: Uh, Shannon Sharpe is in the Hall of Fame. And I would suggest Shannon Sharpe perhaps punch his name into Google, punch Uh-oh. CBS and why they let him go into Uh-oh. Google, punch Baby Mama Drama and Shannon Sharpe into Google. And you'll find mm. th- there's Shannon Sharpe has his own off-field issues, he's in the NFL, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, he's got a job on national TV talking about sports despite his off-field baggage. This guy is is so stupid, and I don't use that word lightly. He is stupid. I'm talking about a really low IQ. He thinks he's actually arguing on behalf of black people. What world does he live in that he doesn't realize like, hey man, if it wasn't for second and third chances and people overlooking uh, off the field issues, you think Michael Vick would be working for Fox Sports? I love Michael Vick. I argued for uh, the NFL celebrated Andy Reid and the Eagles welcoming Vic back into the league. I'm a Michael Vick guy. And so I'm very consistent on this. I believe in second, third, and fourth chances. Here's Shannon Sharp arguing for some sort of standard where athletes shouldn't be given second, third, and fourth chances. When he got one, if Shannon Sharp's standard applied, would Aqib Taleb have gotten a job at Fox Sports? This guy is an idiot. He doesn't understand. He's operating in a glass house. We can take race out of it. Craig Carton, the show that comes on right before Shannon Sharps, the dude was in federal prison a year or two ago. Mm. What is... this? And I don't use this word lightly. This dude's retarded. And that's why he has the job that he has.
1: Well, okay, let me get Um, biblical here. I know I'm not Pastor Bobby Harrington, but let me just quote this. Let who (laughs) (laughs) – he was not sinned, throw the first football through the glass window or glass house, right? Whatever, I botched that. But you're right, and one of my all-time favorite, and I would say Mount Rushmore, of favorite athlete's period, is Michael Jerome Irvin, and we know his past. And yet he has now been able – to really craft a highly successful broadcasting career where he's not just a football announcer, he's a personality. And I would say most people actually are very, very aware of his past. They don't really care, especially when he's self-deprecating and he makes jokes about it. It's great TV. And we all understand nobody is perfect But here's the other thing with Brett Favre. Isn't he about a decade removed from his last snap in the National Football League? That's another thing. Um, He's been retired for at least eight or nine years. So I don't even understand how you conflate that with the current players or this guy shouldn't be given a second or third chance. Look, Brett Favre, with what he did, which I believe is absolutely despicable, yes, he should be prosecuted to the highest point the highest degree of the law and the court of public opinion should be against them but what shannon sharp is arguing i think is just completely asinine in so many ways and we can get into this later but again in this particular league the nfl which stands for not for long unless you can play and if you can play and produce they are very agnostic you'll get third fourth, and fifth chances. Look at a guy like Pac-Man Jones. I have nothing against Adam Jones, but we know his troubles. But because he could turn and go and play press coverage and he was a great little return guy, uh, Jason, was he discriminated in any way as teams gave him his third, fourth, and fifth chance?
2: No. L- listen, and, and I've talked about this before as it relates to Shannon Al Sharp tongue. And, and, and his stupidity is driven by when you're living white but pretending to be black like Shannon Uh-oh. Sharp is. And per- again, and because that is the reality. Shannon Sharp, Steve Kim, and I've told this story before. Shannon Uh-oh. Sharp and I used to be friendly with each other. And this is before he turned this Shannon Al Sharp tongue you know play the race card he this whole racial stick he's got going i can't stand him because he's inauthentic he's fake uh but but back when i used to know one of his most popular jokes that he told me and any of his teammates if you ever see a black woman on my elbow i'm holding her for the police that's shannon sharp i've told that story before that's who shannon sharp is. And when you're that kind of fake, and you go on TV and pretend like you're the blackest man on TV, and you do all that man tan and eat and sleep bamboozle talk on TV, because that's who Shannon is. He's man tan or eat and sleep from the movie Bamboozle. This is what you sound like when you're... Living white and pretending to be black. Let's play the next clip when he starts talking about EBT cards and how mm-hmm. the police go after or how law enforcement goes after black and brown people.
0: This is what we know. When black and brown people do defraud do the government, they do it. They hell it. Mm-hmm. You get an EBT card and you get wicked. You get stuff like that, boy, they move heaven and earth to try to put you in jail for 400 little measly dollars. Fact. Now this man done took a million dollars. Somebody got $3 Somebody got 400000 yep. And they sitting around like, well, well, you know, it, it happened, and we'll see. And they're going to get more money and do it all over again. Uh-oh.
2: So when you start talking about, well, this is what happened with black and brown people when they get EBT cards, and when the person sitting across from you is Skip Bayless. And that? That's two white people going back and forth. One of them's got real dark skin, but it's two white people going back and forth that don't know nothing about black people. Because unfortunately, I know a lot about EBT cars and how they're handled, how they're used in the inner city. Back when, uh, when, when I was young and poor and lived with my father and back when my father owned bars in the inner city, the trade and the sell of food stamps through the roof everybody in the, everybody in the hood did it Every, you you could take 20 dollars and go buy you a hundred dollars worth of food stamps in 1984 that's how we ate me and my father in that 400 square foot apartment we lived in that's how we ate him buying food stamps in the hood from people gets you $100 worth of food stamps. There wasn't federal law enforcement hunting anybody down. It's not going on. But when you live white and talk black, you don't know these things. And so you get on national TV and start talking about, oh, this is what the federal government gonna do if they find out ain't black or brown people got anything to do, $400 worth of EBT, and they lock you up. The hell they do. I lived it, I've seen it, I know it. I got family members right now with EBT. Ain't nobody in law enforcement hunting them down. But when you live white and talk black, you sound like an idiot. If in other words, you don't have to add anything th- to that if you no, want. No, I do. I have a, this is, that's my main point. Um, the fact that
1: Mr. Bayless said fact, just co signing on it, he's now sent Bayless because he knows that's not true, but he understands as a white guy, he has to stand down and he simply does not have the guts or the wherewithal to say, ah, let me push back. Here's a phrase that I love. If it ain't legal for me, it ain't legal for you. Uh, Bottom line is this. I don't care if it's the fraud from a CEO of a Fortune 500 company or the lowest levels of our society. Fraud is fraud. And it it gets to this point that I wanna make about what Shannon Swirl was saying that The reality is he almost wants to excuse a certain amount of crime or illegal activities from a group of people based on where they are and who they are. I have a saying, and this is gonna ruffle some feathers, but I believe it to be 100% true. You show me the standards and expectations of, that you have of an individual or a group of people, that's what you think of them, That's simple. So maybe in his own mind, that's what Shannon thinks of him. Because, you know, the bottom line is a lot of people have high expectations from me because I have high expectations for myself. But the bottom line is I expect myself to be, for the most part, a good person that's going to live by the letter of the law. Again. The standards and expectations that you have of somebody is what you really think of them, because there's never been a great person that you had low expectations for. So, Shannon, what do you really expect from those people and what do you really think of them?
2: Living white, talking black. Uh, Then he goes on to somehow turn this Brett Favre welfare discussion into a conversation about Donald Trump. And that's always the agenda. Let's hear from Shannon Al Sharptongue. Skip, yep, this is what we know. Yep. If people like you, there is
0: nothing you can do to turn them against you. Mm-hmm. We've seen this before. Now, we see what's going on right now. We got people bending themselves, becoming contortionists, trying to explain away what somebody doing with top secret <laughs> documents at their location. They're bending themselves and mm-hmm. They're looking like Neo in the Matrix. Yep. So nothing Brett Favre can do but he's been a sleaze ball. He's been shady for a very, very long time.
2: As I stated earlier, punch Shannon Sharp into Google, find out what happened with him in CBS Sports, baby mama drama, punch that into Google, find out. You know, he wanna talk about sleazy, shady. I, I, I can't stand this dude. Bringing Trump into this conversation What the hell does he know about what the fbi was doing other than what he was told on msnbc he knows nothing but again (sighs) can't stand this dude and and i just gotta be real it's it's so phony and fake
1: what has happened to simp bayless does he not just want to debate anymore is he now just that white guy and i see it a lot on boxing twitter that will just yeah you're right there's racism everywhere and and the whites oh my god this is sad man this is sad this is like seeing muhammad ali against trevor burbick in the bahamas skip can you show some guts and, and just actually speak up for common sense once in a while but again Let's go back to the discussion we had a couple days ago, Jason, the bingo card. So any time that you can rip a white guy, defend, quote, unquote, your people that really aren't your people anymore. And the Trump card, which gets you triple points, is to then to bring up Donald Trump in any way. Don't have to really defend him or rip him, just bring him up now. Oh, man, that is the triple level wordplay that's going to get you a lot of. (laughs) Acceptance in the community. And that, that's what he's doing. and I, I'll say this again that Shannon Sharp and many others, they do this performative wokeness because they believe it's a shelf cocoon. Also, let's, let's be honest at certain networks, it's really good for your job security.
2: It's good for his. We'll end uh, the Shannon Sharp highlight reel uh, with him saying something completely racist and foul at the end of this segment. Uh, he, he, he does something he he should be reprimanded, disciplined, suspended for these comments. If someone black sat on TV and did this kind of racism that he just did at the end of this deal, they would be fired immediately. Play the clip.
0: You gotta be pretty low that you would take from the most underserved to feel your need. So you can see, seem philanthropic, really? Because you know they say, man, you see what Brett did? Five million for a volleyball arena because his daughter played there. He didn't have to do that. did not do nothing. The federal government gave that money, but they're quick to talk about, oh, black and brown people—they be stealing, and we need to cut out some of this, this, this pork, and all this. Stop it. Yep. Mm. The biggest criminals, the people that steal the most, look like that.
2: Hmm. The biggest criminal, the biggest people to steal the boat, they look like that, and they be talking about people like me that sound like an ignorant president that ain't never been to college and don't know nothing. But they the biggest crooks—they look like that. That's racist. This man just said, "White people are the biggest crooks." They blah blah. If some, if Skip Bayless. Has sat on TV and said, you know who is killing black folks the most, people that look like that, all hell would break loose. If he said, you know who's beating up and killing Asian people? They look like you, Shannon. He'd be fired and removed. If they, if he said, you know what, Shannon, I'm tired of seeing all these videos of black people ganging up and beating up white people, he'd be fired on the spot. But Shannon Sharp can go on TV, You know who be, just get in the boat. You know who they be. They be looking like that. This dude is doing an ignoramus routine, mocking every black person on the planet and then playing the race card on white people and it's being tolerated. No one in the media is going to touch this. Again, Trust me, if Skip Bayless said half the stuff, (laughs) The blogosphere, Twitter, CNN, MSNBC, everybody would go in full eruption. But I'm going to go back to your point. The expectations of corporate mainstream media are so low for black people that they actually think Shannon Sharp is smart and a good representation of us. It's ridiculous. That's why they I talked about it yesterday, the left, the Democrats, the people that are always talking about Trump, they're actually the real racists. They're allowing Shannon Sharp to go come on TV and do some runaway slave in 1600s routine on national TV in 2022 as if there aren't some black people, former NFL players with common sense who are more worthy of that job.
1: Jimmy Johnson has this phrase, and Jimmy Johnson, before he became this legendary football coach, was going to be an industrial psychologist. That's what his degree was. And it's not word for word, but he basically says, if you treat someone as they are, they become that forever. You treat them as they can be or should be, that's what they can evolve to. And Shannon Sharp really must have low expectations uh, of his own people. You know, I I hate to play a game of what about ism. I don't think that's really productive. But since Shannon did it, let let me just push back a little bit. Um, What Brett Favre did is despicable and heinous, and he deserves to be prosecuted to the highest extent of the law. I have no respect for what he did. You made a lot of money. There's been a lot of athletes that have been benefactors to their alma maters. I know you do that. And you know what? I'm going to write a check because I'm doing well. And go state, go school. I'm going to help my university what he did was absolute fraud on so many levels. I've lost respect for him. However, with that said, um, I, I do wonder what Shannon Sharp would say about Patrice Cullors in a real estate portfolio the last two years. OK, so now he brings up the PPP of loan fraud and all that. OK, so with Brett Favre, we're talking about five million dollars, a lot of money. I mean, I don't have that much underneath my uh, couch cushions on, at my house. OK, that's not loose change. But with that said, if you're gonna bring that up as a totality, we're probably talking about hundreds of millions of dollars in fraud across the board, maybe billions compared to five million. Think about that. We're talking about one individual case of fraud for five million against billions of dollars, possibly committed by many individuals across this country. Again, the totality. So, really, is it about the actual crime? Or is he angry about who did it and then can he exploit that uh, for social media acceptance? And that's the problem that I have with what he is saying. And when he says most of the people that steal that money look like that, are we sure about that? Are you, are you sure you want to go with that that definitive statement across the board? As far as I'm concerned, what, what almost like Shannon Sharp is saying, well, in terms of that PPP loan fraud, let's just go after the guys that look like Brett Favre. Or are you actually disgusted by crime as a totality and want to rid all of it? Again, uh, I'm going to say this again. One of my favorite phrases. There is a no standard for you or me, but there's a double standard for everyone else. And I think that's wrong. And Shannon knows what he's doing. And shame on Simp Bayless for just laying down uh, like a crash test dummy. That's sad.
2: The the problem I have with all of it is he's not disgusted by any of it. He did his little performance on TV for social media clout because that, that kind of ignorance plays on social media. That's where we are as a culture, that kind of dishonesty is is applauded and rewarded in, in this country. That's where we're at now. He's not disgusted by any of it. He's going to leave that studio. Whatever little white baby mama he's dealing with right now, he's going to go home to her. And he's going, look out, look out. You see how black I was on TV today, baby? You see how black? But, but when he gets home to her, actually, he won't be talking like that. He'll be talking like a grown man with common sense. Because when he's not. Uh, playing a role on TV like he's got an IQ of 60. He actually goes home and pretends to have an IQ of 80 uh, and talks like he has some common sense around whatever white woman he's dating. I wanna be crystal clear. I don't have any problem with interracial dating. I just wanna, none. Anybody that knows me knows I have no problem with it. My problem is when I see people like Shannon Sharp have a guilty conscience about who they like and what they like to date and then go on TV or get in the public space and want to act like they're the black they're Malcolm X reincarnated it's a joke i want to end on this point we're not even going to do the approval rating because anything above a 0 that i gave him i would be pissed off about if you gave me anything above a 0 i'd be pissed off i just i want to make this last point, his whole thing about Savannah State and he'd give money and blah, blah, blah. So if, if, and I looked this morning. All I could do is find stories about it. But in 2014, I did an interview with Shannon Sharp when I was at ESPN on the podcast Real Talk. And he so outraged me uh, during that interview because he talked about why he would never give any money to Savannah State. Oh. And how much he despised Savannah State. And because th- they charged him for parking tickets that he acquired when he was there and, you know, th- they didn't kiss his butt or or whatever at Savannah State. I, I forget, But he went on this and and I probably spent 20 30 minutes like explaining this dude, "Hey man, that's just the wrong mindset." And and you know, we wonder why these HBCUs uh, are struggling because too many alumni feel this way. How, this dude, his grades were so poor in high school, the only school that would take him was Savannah mm-hmm. State. But now he doesn't want so they launched his professional football career, but he don't want to re, turn around and give them anything. Now I will say this, I browbeating so bad in that discussion that he at the end of it said that he'd give up some money to Savannah State. But I've watched this dude since he started playing this ultra-black role pretend like he's the greatest Savannah State alumnus of all time and the most passionate. He wears all the gear. And, oh, my God, I I would give money to Savannah State. Nah, man, you're on tape in 2014. Can't find it. I'd love for someone to find it and, and bring it back to me. But I had to go off on this dude. There's stories written about it. I wrote about it. Uh, other uh, some of the HBCU schools and stuff wrote about the interview and just how stupid Shannon Sharp sounded and how against his the the only school that would take him and lost his career he didn't feel like he owed a debt to. I, I just can't so Jason, think of a more phony fake person than Shannon Sharp. So Jason
1: at the Savannah State football facility there is not the Shannon Sharp weight room there's literally just a Shannon Sharp dumbbell, just that one dumbbell probably has his name <laughs> on it. Right? Not the weight room, <laughs> the dumbbell, maybe a barbell, maybe a hammer strength machine that he that he gave, maybe the one that was worn out. But I would ask Shannon Sharp one thing as we wrap this up. I would ask Shannon Sharp one question if I could see him. If someone came into your home and stole all your belongings and ransacked your property, would you feel any differently if it was a white burglar or a black bu- Black burglar, would you feel any differently? Or is the crime the crime it yes, shouldn't be handled as so much?
2: He would, really. Yes, he would. That he, says a lot. Yes, he would. He, he, he would invite the white burglar in and invite him to <laughs> dinner, and, and, uh, and he would call the police on no, the black Jack, burglar. Trust me, that's Shannon Sharp. Trust me, that's who he is. That's if you ever catch, this is out of his own mouth. If you ever see a black woman on my elbow, Trust me, I'm holding her for the police. That's out of his own mouth. Ask any of his Denver Broncos teammates, anybody that played with him in the NFL during that time. That was his go-to joke. And this man hmm. trying to run around like he's Malcolm X and pro-black, he sounds like an idiot. Get your fearless army swag. Shopblazemedia.com/slash/fearless. I do look. I'm sorry. He he did. The racial issue, it's my funny bone. There's many people at Fox Sports I love and respect, but I'm sorry, this dude just takes me over the edge. I, 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 I don't want to be disrespectful to Fox Sports, but this guy is an idiot, and he takes me over the edge. He's playing a very divisive game for clicks and social media clout. A very, we're in a serious time in America And to have someone sitting on TV being this racially divisive in such an inauthentic way. Playtime is over. We are at each other's throats. And for clicks and social media clout, this man is playing this game? It's it's a bridge too far. I'm not trying to be adversarial with the people at Fox Sports. But I'm just sorry, I can't hold my tongue. It's repulsive, what he did and what y'all allowed. It's repulsive. We got Americans at each other's throats. Country totally racially divided. And this man's playing games. Cut it out. All right, we're gonna talk to Jason Brown from last years. All right. Welcome back. Uh, We're going to roll, I believe, to California, but I'm not 100 percent sure uh, where Jason Brown is. You guys remember Jason Brown uh, from Last Chance U, the profane head coach from Last Chance U. Uh, He was quite popular for a couple years on that Netflix series. And now he has, (coughs) I think, started a podcast, social media following. He calls himself. Uh, the QB coach, Jason Brown. Jason Brown made news over the weekend uh, with his critique, or earlier this week, with his critique of Arizona quarterback Kyler Murray. It caught our attention. Someone actually out here uh, speaking their honest opinions about an NFL quarterback, particularly a black NFL quarterback. It certainly caught my attention. Let's take a look at Jason Brown's breakdown of a specific play in Arizona's blowout loss to the Kansas City Chiefs.
4: This is why they put in this film study f***ing contract. <laughs> First of all, you're in a nubside, deadside, dead side, <coughs> reduced X receiver. So he's reduced, okay? So bottom line is he has no hot but he don't even know where the hot is. So anyway, let's just say this is the hot. Here we go, there's a safety down, covering the corner, the corner's coming. We have no hot because it's coming from this side over. So, guess what we do in protection if we're good enough at the quarterback position? We tell this receiver, you stay, stay, stay. Now you block this guy blitzing, and then you make your progression here. But he doesn't even look down here and has no clue what's happening. And this is coaching again. Quarterback play. You don't know what's going on. Third down, and you take a sack and have to punt it? You paid him how much?
2: Absolutely love it. And I don't even know if Jason Brown is 100% correct. I just love the authenticity of it, the honesty of it. It's exactly what we need. Kyler Murray got a contract that's paying him like $46 million a year. Uh, And his play needs to be analyzed, critiqued, and talked about like a man that's making $46 million a year. And so, again, we're going to talk to Jason Brown here in a second. But but Brown's criticism cut through and had such an impact that Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, had to respond. Here's Cliff Kingsbury talking about Kyler Murray. And Jason Brown's critique. First quarter, you know, third one. They sent a guy off the What's what Kyler was supposed to do there. Like, did he just need to get the ball out quicker?
4: No, it, it it should have been picked up. Yeah, protection wise, um, should have been picked up, and it wasn't, unfortunately. And um, you know, they, they they made a good play, but yeah, he Kyler was doing the right thing.
2: Is that on him to call it out or?
4: No, it was a set set protection. Yeah, we broke the out went fast, and so it things were
0: moving fast, but um, it just didn't didn't work out for us.
2: So, Jason, I hear Cliff Kingsbury's comments not as a rebuke of anything that you said. I, I, I almost hear him co-signing what you said about Kyler Murray uh, because clearly a quarterback can change the protection at the line of scrimmage. I didn't hear him point the finger at the offensive lineman. I, I don't. How did you hear Cliff Kingsbury's comments?
4: Uh. Me and Cliff don't really see eye to eye, so we have a history. Um, So that was very funny for me to see him smirking because I knew he wasn't going to say nothing but that. Um, The bottom line is, it's all going to... He's protecting Kyler, which he has to do, um, which is understandable. I had had an NFL old lineman on my show yesterday who clearly stated that he's covering up for Kyler. And the other issue is There is no such protection in the world that can block five, uh, can block seven people with five O-linemen. So it's all BS. And everyone's come out and tried to give their explanation. Bottom line is, unless you're in that room and we know the protection, it doesn't matter. We're all speculating. But the truth of the matter is the corner triggered, showed the pressure because of the strong safety comes down to four yards. We know the corner's coming and there's clearly seven guys on defense inside the box. We only have five protecting because they're an empty. They're in quads, which is another crazy thing to me. Kyler Murray is, is a right-handed quarterback, Jason. They were in a they were in a heavy protect. Uh, they're in a heavy formation left. So why are you in quads left with a right-handed midget at quarterback who can't see over the line? A And now we're against his dominant throwing hand and he don't see the pressure in his face. All kind of badness is going on right there. And it's just why you got beat 40-something to 20. And that's why you haven't excelled over the last few years in the playoffs or even get there.
2: Mm. So I hear your comments today as a little bit of a critique of Kyler Murray. But you also makes it sound like coaching put him in a bad spot there. No doubt about
4: it. I mean, it's our. right. We're putting the product on the field. So third and three, we're in empty protection. Jason, there's five guys to block. You know, you play the game, you know, the game, you got five to block seven. You're an empty, you know, there's pressure coming on a short yard down and distance in the NFL. They're bringing an exotic to you. And if you can't pick that up on third and three, knowing I got to get the ball out of my hand right now, there is a fundamental issue across the board. Head coach, who's also the offensive coordinator and the quarterback. They are clearly not on the same page. Have you ever seen Peyton Manning or Tom Brady get hit like that in his face by a corner? Please explain. I'll I'll wait. No, I haven't seen Russell Wilson get hit like that. Aaron Rodgers. I can go on and on and on. And it's not a black and white thing. People always want to bring that up and hate on me. I'm like, well, first of all, I've only coached one white quarterback in 20 years. A, B. Um, having said that, um, they're clearly being coached at the college level, uh, probably at the let me just say this, Jason. NFL quarterback play is at an all time low. It's the worst I've ever seen it from top to bottom as in totality, even though let me clear myself up here, we are the most athletically gifted quarterbacks I've ever seen does not mean they're the best quarterback. We're not asking running backs to play the position. Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Justin Fields, Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz, Allen, Mahomes. They're 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 very, very gifted, freak of natures. Like I would have loved to coach them in college. They're not great at the quarterback position. And uh that is the issue. And they're being coached up in college, and it's proving that it's showing they're, 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 they're going fast. We're running fast tempo in the shotgun. We don't take underneath, underneath center snaps. We don't teach progression from pre-snap to post-snap. We're not teaching fronts and protections. And then they get to the NFL as this great athlete in college that we want to recruit because the best athletic quarterback in college wins you games so you get to the NFL, and we're throwing them to the wolves. Now they get to the NFL and struggle. Lamar Jackson is struggling. Kyler Murray is struggling. Justin Fields is struggling. And coach, Lamar Jackson won an MVP. We all know the MVP in the NFL
2: is a popularity contest. Whether you whether you want to – Come on now. It. Hold for one second. Hold for one second. Because I agree with 90% of what you're saying. I agree with 90%. But, but when Lamar Jackson puts up 35, 36 TD passes – Tax on another 10 to 15 running touchdowns. How can you deny the man the MVP? His team won 12, 13, 14 games that year. How are you going to deny him the MVP? Well, this
4: is the thing. He did that one time. He, how many touchdowns did he throw last year? See, that's the thing. He has been figured out. The NFL will figure you out. But Holmes, who everyone's anointing after year three as the best thing since sliced bread, he got figured out last year, quiet as kept, contrary to belief, and he struggled down the stretch, and they have probably the best roster in football at a, at two, for two of the three years he's been there, and he has one Super Bowl to show for, and you're calling him the GOAT. Like, let's pump our brakes and calm down and wait for him to build his resume. Let's get his resume after 10 years and let's see how good he is. Because last time I checked, Brady has seven Super Bowl wins and Brady and Mahomes has two playoff losses, both to a 44-year-old man named Tom Brady. Once in New England, once in the Super Bowl. And you're saying he's the best? You can't even beat the best. How are you the best? So we got to pump our brakes on all this goat talk with these guys until they build their resume and prove to us that their resume is worthy of it. I think Mahomes is a freak. I think he's great. I think he could be the best. But is he right now? No. And he's a gimmicky guy. He wants to do gimmicky things. And until you understand climbing the pocket, throwing the ball on time to wide open receivers, you're not going to ever be considered the best. Show me a quarterback that runs around and has won a Super Bowl. I'll wait. Don't tell me Steve Young either. Steve Young threw five touchdowns a year he won the Super Bowl. And when he stopped running around is when he won the Super Bowl. And um, Doug Williams, we want to go with this whole black and white thing. Doug Williams didn't run for more than 20 yards in that Super Bowl game. And he threw from the pocket. And people don't understand, if you ask an ENFL head coach, as much as you run around in the pocket, there is a wide receiver, wide open, waiting for the ball. And you miss him. And I can consi- I break down Lamar Jackson all the time. I think Lamar Jackson's a hu- great human being. I know a buddy that coached him and recruited him in Louisville. I, I know his character's high. And I agree he deserves the bag. Because if he, if, if, if Watson got the bag, and this good character cat that won an MVP ha- don't get the bag, I do think it's a little bit uh, unfair. But again, the Browns set the marketplace at that all-time high, and I just don't think it'll ever be equated and I think Lamar is making a mistake by not hiring an agent. And uh, that's a whole nother ball ballgame. But it is what it is. I, I agree with how great he is as far as an athlete. I don't think he's a very good quarterback.
2: Jason, I, I got to say this. I think you found your sweet spot. I think you found your calling. And it's it's so necessary right now because I'm telling I I don't have to agree with everything you're saying. But I actually believe you believe what you're saying. And that's what I don't get in NFL commentary. The, the, you've already addressed it. I was about to go there, but why are you so fearless? I, I you've one, you coached the position, you played the position, but I also think where you grew up and who your friends have been your whole life have made you like. I don't you can't call me racist. My my resume, my life resume, not just my coaching resume shields me from that. And so it sounds like you have the freedom just to say whatever you want about any of these quarterbacks and everybody else is just playing a political game.
4: Oh, no doubt. And, 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 and I've never been tested because everyone knows, and you know, real recognizes real. So these guys that want to come out, anyone wants to come out after me about that is good luck. I mean, every black brother I've ever grew up with or knows me, or even NFL, I got 26 in the league right now. I just had my 10th first rounder drafted Jermaine Johnson. They're going to come and say, shut up, you know, nothing. And the bottom line is that don't, they're never going to get away with trying to do that. They tried to do that last year on Pat McAfee show on me. Um, because I called Tomlin out, and that didn't last very long either because they all told Pat, man, this guy is is legit. And even Pat's, I mean, a, a Tomlin's O-line coach had to call Pat and tell him, like, this is JV. I am grew up with him. So this is the thing about it. It ain't a black and white thing. It is a result thing. And I don't care what color you are, red, white, blue, black, I don't care. If you're right, left, red, blue, politically, I don't care. I'm an independent thinker. I tell the truth. And if you disagree with me, Jason, I believe that that is a good thing. It creates great conversation. And I think that these people nowadays in the world don't get that. They don't understand that this is this is great conversation. This is real talk banter. This doesn't mean I have to agree with you and then have to hate you because you disagree with me. That is where we are at in society. That's why we're so dang soft. And that's why we have so many issues With black-on-black crime, we have all these other issues. We don't have any brothers coming out and saying, like, let me ask you this, Jason. Yesterday, I don't know if you know about this, in San Diego, California, we had a hazing incident. Some guys put a broom up a kid, um, anal wrecked them, and, uh, and basically hazed them and raped them, basically. Why aren't the Chargers and the Rams coming out and saying to these young football players who did it, to an autistic kid on top of that, Hey, man, this ain't the business. We're not doing this. You are football players. You are being looked at from other normal human beings, general population. We look at you. We have a platform. Where's the NFL players? Where's the NBA players? We don't have that, man. And it's crazy. Right here in in Beverly Hills, we got young brothers running up on old black women and beating them and robbing them. I don't see LeBron. I don't see Cube Snoop. I don't see anybody coming out say, hey, man, what's going on? Where's Oprah? I haven't seen anybody come out. But I'm out there on the front line with these kids, and they know me, and I'm talking to them like, what the hell are you doing, man? This is a black-owned liquor store. Why the hell are you robbing it? Why are we throwing rocks through it? And they sit there and look at me. And I'm like, they actually listen to me, Jason. You know what the cold part is? They would listen to some older brothers, too. But they're not doing it. They're not going out there and correcting it. And there's an old antage, Jason. You either coach it or you allow it, brother. And we're allowing it at an all-time high.
2: Jason, what all are you doing now? Where can people find you? Uh, This Kyler Murray deal put you back on my radar, (laughs) what you're saying. Man, I'm having what they call an eargasm right now. I, I just can't believe I got somebody on here talking like this from the sports world. Where can people find you? Where's your podcast? What are you doing? And where and Are you out and back out in L.A.? or?
4: Yeah, yeah, I'm back out here. Ever since I came on the show with you and Marcellus, I'm out here, and I was just with Marcellus last week at the Pump Brother deal. I was, uh, you know, I'm back out here, uh, out in IE, and uh, I started a show a few years ago, and obviously I, I used that name that I trademarked that everyone knew me for, and I said, all right, you know, we're so cancel culture soft, I had to change the name. So I changed the podcast to Coach JB Show Now, And uh, I got an IG model. That's my co-host, Sarah Blake, and she's on the show with me. And then uh, we do a lot of things. We go Monday through Friday. And I also do a wake-up show in the morning at 6 a.m. on the West Coast. And I basically just do mostly football talk, NFL particularly. And then uh, we go 1 to 4 p.m. on the West Coast on the Coach JB show uh, live on YouTube. And then uh, it's all on on the audio side, so Spotify, Apple, iTunes, all that. So – then I got my whiskey and my uh, my own cigar line and the cigar is actually launched this Friday. And then the whiskey has been out now for going on three years and uh, it's real good whiskey. And so I got that going on. And, and plus, you know, I do speaking engagements and clinic coaches online virtually and stuff like that. And uh, and anytime I get around some kids, I, I, I like to talk to them and, and mentor those kids up and talk to the babies, man, because that's the youth and they're being led the wrong way. And 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 bottom line is we're just so soft. Um culturally it starts at the home front and parents are just allowing so much to occur right now and this is a learned trait like racism jason these kids are learning how to do these hazing incidents and how to be uh this bully and and, and just like racism learned and taught the same things going on with this and people that defend these kids are blow my mind and uh you know, it's just so much going on, Jason. I hear you guys talk all the time in your show. And I've been on OutKick and all these different people and shows, too. And so it's, uh, it's refreshing to hear real talk and real people talk. And uh, it, it's unfortunate that uh, the minority, in my opinion, are the majority when it comes to uh, the minorities, the majority when it comes to speaking out. And the majority actually still believe the right thing but we're in the minority as far as speaking out. And and, uh, that's what's unfortunate. If the majority would speak up, we'd probably get rid of this cancel culture BS. But the minority cancel culture people are the ones that are are the majority voice, which is unbelievable. So. JB, I
2: I gotta say, we're gonna be wearing your phone line out. uh, And so you'll probably get tired of me calling and asking you to come on but I'm going to circle back because I, I got to hear more of this. You, you <laughs> Virtually every take you've given has been piping hot. And, and I, 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 man, someone willing to talk the truth about NFL quarterbacks. I had John Gruden. Oh, I'm sorry. Not John uh-huh. Gruden. Was it John Gruden? No, yo, know, I saw John Gruden on YouTube. And he talked about, he did uh, an interview with the Arkansas Razorback Touchdown Club, and he talked about how simplistic football has become, and that everybody's running the same offense, and everything's been dumbed down to a point because you don't have time to coach people, they've limited practice time, the NFLPA, and and virtually no one is talking about this. that they've actually dumbed the thing down to a point that virtually anybody can play quarterback. I've said this all the time, I was like, we wanna compare these guys today to the guys in the 60s and 70s that were calling their own plays? Calling their own plays? These guys are looking over to the sidelines and to, to, to know what their one read is that they can make, and we're comparing them to Bart Starr and uh, Roger Stalbach, it's a joke to me. We've simplified the game incredibly.
4: Hey, I had Bernard Pollard on my show. I had Brian Erlacher. I've had a few people, John Daly. I've had all these guys on my show. We just talked about that. Erlacher and Bernard, Bernard uh, Pollard, who won a Super Bowl with the Ravens, who, who called out Lamar. He's exactly on my playing field. We, we he, He's listening to me, and he's like, JB, I had to get on your show, man, because everything you're saying is so true. And I go... What other quarterback do you know, Jason, that comes to the line of scrimmage and whatever is in and put it into his helmet earpiece from the coach, they run no matter what. And I have NFL film that I'm allowed to show. I have the rights. So I show it on my show all the time and I have his film verse, from his MVP year. He is so bad. In a, as regarding the, at the NFL level, he is so bad to watch play the position like he literally will run 45 yards in total and gain one yard and then have to come back to the huddle and go no huddle. And you're asking this, how long do you think that is sustainable? That's why he's not getting the bag. He's not going to get paid because you can't run this offense in 10 years that you're running right now in, in Baltimore. You can't do it. Tom Brady can do it till he's 50. You can't do this offense that he's running till you're 50. He's going to be dead in two years of doing this. So we're going to pay him $290 million and he's, we're thinking he's going to last five more seasons? No. Jason, Josh Allen is this far away from having a catastrophic injury in his career. Knock on wood. I love watching the kid, but he has to realize now this is not only about my bag. It's about my team and this organization and my brothers on this roster that I need to be alive and well and playing this position every single game for us to have a chance to win a Super Bowl. He's running around like a, like a chicken with his head cut off, stiff-arming dudes, all this stuff. You know the NFL, not for long. That's what it stands for. He, I saw two particular is, incidences in the Ram game last Thursday. He, go, he was horse-collared once. He's that far. If he don't let go of the horse collar, he snaps his femur. Jason, he's done. And another incident, he got hit in the knee on out of bounds and almost blows his knee out. And Josh Allen is really, really close to ending being done. And the Buffalo Bills go right downhill, right? So that's what people don't understand. It's a bigger picture. And these kids, I can't believe in the NFL, they're not being told this. They're not being coached up. Again, Jason, coaching's overrated. Players win games, coaches lose them, and uh, people think uh, it's all about the coach. Coaching is so overrated; it's unbelievable. I wish people would really know the real. But everyone on Twitter and TikTok know everything, not the coach.
2: <laughs> Jason, JB, thank you so much. Uh, I can't wait. I'm gonna circle back to you next week. We got a whole NFL slate of games on Sunday. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Continue success and good luck. I instruct everybody in my audience. If this guy's talking this way about football, you got to hunt up this podcast. You got to hunt him up on YouTube. Uh, these guys on ESPN, on Fox, they're a waste of your time. They're not telling you the truth. This guy is. Thank you so much. Uh Jason will circle back to you and hopefully you'll say yes when we do circle back to you. Uh, go to youtube.com slash jason widlock, hit notifications, hit subscribe. Primetime Alex Stein. Time
0: His words are our religion, our regrets and our decisions. We all wanna go to heaven with freedom. It's my obligation, no hate discrimination is enough. Your hands for freedom.
2: Welcome back. It's prime time. 99, always on the grind, it's time for Alex Stein. Uh, Alex Stein, if you missed out, uh, back in the news cycle again, he went after Texas Representative Dan Crenshaw. Uh, They got into it right on the steps of the Capitol, I believe. Uh, Let's take a look at the video of Alex Stein and Dan Crenshaw.
3: The guy, this is the guy who tells veterans that they that their service is yeah, yeah, because since
5: they're weapons of mass destruction that didn't exist. Anti-war so that we yeah. serve for. Yeah, I'm anti-war because he's I don't believe this, Did you guys find any weapons right of mass destruction? As a matter of fact, we yeah. did. Oh, where was? Oh, weapons of mass destruction this guy? You're actually going to go down this route, Alex? Yeah, because we don't have any you're weapons you're of looking, mass destruction. You are looking like a fool right Dude, now. I'm you're the the telling you're veterans, the one that's giving not more just money me, to Ukraine. We have We have is we're telling here in America. He cares more about Ukraine. You're disgusting. You guys service is wasted for and bankers. You are the modern day version. Oh, I'm the modern day version. You worry more about Ukraine than our border. You are the modern day version. He cares more about about Ukraine, than he does about America. America. So you're a globalist. Why don't you take care of America? You don't care. That's your problem, Dan. You don't care about America. You don't care about Texas. You're We're gonna disgusting. Our, do, you, do you think there's you an used invasion? To be a Is there an invasion on our border used right now? You be a comedian. Is there an invasion on our border right now? Well, maybe you should go back. I still that, am buddy. a comedian. Is there an invasion you not be on good our good border? At Will you yet? admit that there's an invasion on our border? No, there's an invasion on. border. Yeah, but you won't do I anything about it. But why do you give 80 billion to Ukraine? Why do you give 80 billion to Ukraine? Uh, I think you're getting the numbers wrong, there, buddy. Oh, what are we at a hundred billion now? No, it's not even close. What, oh, what are we up to now, Dan? And they even say none of those weapons even go to the front lines. So why don't you start caring she about America? Actually, they do. You don't care about America at all, Dan. You're a globalist, you're a traitor, you're a dwarf. There's Dan Crimson. Come on. Come on, dude. Oh, I'm a piece of shit? You're the one that's a globalist. You're killing young children for no reason, sending them to war for nothing. For future reference, when you're wanting to interview members,
2: you cannot physically stop them from going their way. I'm not
5: trying to talk back. I didn't physically stop anybody. I'm
2: just letting you know from what we were getting from members of the public was that you were harassing members that were trying to go back and forth to their votes. You were not allowed to do that, so I'm going to let you know the rules and the laws that you are being told that you are breaking. And okay. I'm going to let you know that that's what you cannot do.
5: Okay, am I allowed to leave?
2: You are allowed to leave.
5: Okay, thank you. Thank you. This is just trying to ask politicians some questions and then they come and detain me. What a joke.
2: Stein. What are you doing? You're back in the nation's nation's capital. (laughs) What are you doing?
5: I got the Jefferson Memorial right here. Now, let me tell you what I'm doing. First of all, I want to say I support every single man and woman that is in the uniform. Those, the troops, the people that are actually wearing the uniforms, I support them wholeheartedly. But the jersey they wear The uniform they wear I can't support that team You know I look at our Weapons of mass destruction That they told us And scared us about They scared my dad every day My dad my mom They thought that Freaking uh, Afghanistan Was going to send a rocket here Or Iraq was going to send a rocket And blow us up When all that proved to be false And then when you saw the way That we evacuated the Middle East And you saw that That Biden administration Killed multiple children With drone strikes And you saw people Flying off uh, airplanes I mean if they really cared About this region Or, or, or even culture of human beings, they would have showed much more empathy, but they didn't care because this was a war that was built for bankers like Halliburton that got rich, you know, like Dick Cheney, all these people that benefited from the war. The American people are the one that suffered and I want to bring attention to that.
2: Why Dan Crenshaw? Well,
5: honestly, Dan Crenshaw a low-hanging fruit. It all stinks. Jason, without my big booty Latina AOC, this is nothing. This is all a waste of time. Unless <laughs> I get my princess, nothing matters. And it just Dan Crenshaw low-hanging fruit. He walks. He's right there. He's accessible. And him and I are both from Texas, so we have just a little bit of beef because Texas right now, our border, is an absolute nightmare. And he continues to just give more money and more money to Ukraine to, you know, enrich his cronies that are in all these defense, you know, all these defense companies that make tons of money because now not only do we give them $80 billion worth of money that they're going to use to buy weapons, now America gets all new shiny weapons. So they get to dip in twice. They get to give our junk away and then get new stuff. And it's all taxpayer funded. So I like to call this out because I'm anti-war. I believe as human beings, we should figure out a way to – have a copacetic relationship without killing one another. Even if we hate that person, we shouldn't ever have to get a gun and point it at somebody and shoot it. It's just very barbaric. And I'm anti-war to
2: to the core. (laughs) So what was going on with you and that police officer? Was she threatening to arrest you?
5: Well, I'm going to post a longer video. I had it. It's about a seven minute video. And they were, they were very intimidating. I just wanted to add that as a tail end to the Crenshaw clip. But, yeah, I'm going to post it of, you know, the heated moments of that. I'll probably do that right now as soon as we're done with this interview. And, I mean, these police, they knew exactly who I was in the video. They're like, oh, yeah, we know who you are. And there's multiple police. Now, I should have, of course, put it in horizontal mode, but I was just – I'd already started it. I was on the phone with my – I was, you know, calling people on the other line. So it was just easier to kind of hold them both vertical. But long story short, they wanted to detain me. Crenshaw wanted me detained and he was trying to pull this this little trick where it's called impeding a politician On a way to a vote So if you impede a senator or congressman Or even some higher person I guess I don't even know if there's anybody higher than that You can impede But that is technically a federal crime And they have to arrest you immediately If they're going to some sort of vote So luckily this was them leaving a vote It wasn't them going to a vote So I had a little more leeway But even then I didn't stop Dan Crenshaw I'm on a public street Just he's walking by and, and But you saw where Eric Swalwell too When I, I called him out for sleeping with a Chinese spy Fang Fang You notice that when I started filming they're doing this new you know Barry Sanders move where they'll kind of come behind me in a different way it's thinking that I can't catch him with the selfie stick but uh, you know unfortunately for them is I'm a one-man wrecking crew I can film it all with just one arm and one selfie stick
2: so Dan Crenshaw wanted you arrested for asking yes. questions. yes
5: yes of course because he wants to publicly embarrass me he doesn't like me and Dan Crenshaw has really let a lot of Texans down I know that you know, you're in Nashville, Tennessee, but Dan Crenshaw was a guy that was really popular, and then he voted to kick service members out that weren't vaccinated, especially the, you know, Army and and, uh, the Army Reserves and the National Guard, actually getting them to get to lose their whole pension, everything, because they wouldn't get vaccinated. So if you look at that, he really doesn't care about the veterans, and he's lost a lot of goodwill with Donald Trump. Donald Trump supposedly would not take, have a photo op with him at one of his most recent rallies. So there's just a bunch of there's a bunch of drama going on with Crenshaw because he has shown who he really is. He's a globalist. He went on Saturday Night Live. He went with Pete Davidson. He was buddy-buddy with them. So he shows his true alliances, that he's a he's establishment. And I'm anti-establishment. I know you're anti-establishment. So guys like this, they're not, they're not going in there to change the game. They're not going in there to flip the script. He's going in there to follow the script and read it exactly like he's told to.
2: Dan Rhino is his name, huh? He's a that's rhino. what they
5: say. That's what they say. And listen, you don't even have to be super conservative, but just at least put America first a little bit. He really, I'm telling you, he is just not a guy that cares about America. He's he, Listen, I understand the idea of wanting to help people in other countries, but we have to put America first. That's not nationalistic. That's not racist. That's how we should all view America. We should be proud of the country in which we live in. We shouldn't subjugate our citizens to having a life less than the people we give our uh, taxes to.
2: Well, look, I'm going to say this. If you get arrested, call me. I'll put some money on your books so you can buy a commissary <laughs> when you're locked up. Get you a pack of smoke, some honey buns, whatever you need. Uh, call me. You know, I'll be smoking all. I need a bunch of Paul
5: mall lights and some honey buns and some ramen noodles. I'll be fine. Just some soups. Jason, and I really appreciate that. I'll be living like a king behind bars.
2: Good luck. Don't get arrested today. I don't want to have to put money on your books, but I will.
5: I know. I know. I'll be on Tim Pool tonight. Check me out there. I'm on the grind all the time, Jason. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're the man.
2: Thank you. Good luck. All right. Let's play some tomorrow. Get out of here. We'll see you tomorrow.
0: Standing in line for freedom Looking for a breakout Feeling like a standoff Nothing in life like freedom Came like a fighter Striking like a ladder Making all this moves for freedom I want freedom No negotiation, my system, no relation We all just wanna have freedom Sitting on the corner Never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom. Blessed, we are living, get back. We are receiving all deceiving. We all wanna be free. We want freedom. I just